You're listening to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. I'm Gandalf. I'm Matt. And I'm Nathan Van Horn. The Bible is the most read book ever, but to some, it is merely fiction. Join our conversations as we connect the dots to reveal that the story of the Bible is not only true, it's better than fiction. To learn more about the show or to contact us directly, visit us online at www.betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com. Welcome, listener, to the episode 78 of the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. And not as always, I am one of your hosts, Matt, and I am here along with my compatriots, Gandalf and Nathan Van Horn. And you're probably wondering, why are you doing the intro? We'll get to that in just a second. But as always, we want to thank you for being a part of this podcast, whether you are new or you're a weekly and regular listener. In fact, we just found out recently there are about 1,300 people that regularly listen to the majority of the podcast on a weekly basis, and we thank you for that. And guys, if I'm remembering correctly, wasn't it about 43, 44,000 people who have at least listened to at least a second of a podcast? Like, isn't that right? Yeah, 40, I mean, we're getting, 46. We're getting, yeah, we're getting close oh, 46. to We're getting close to 50 before too long. Yeah. You have 50,000 almost unique listens to the podcast, but, but anyway, um, today we want to ask you that if you've not done it already to like, and subscribe to the podcast, you can do so by hitting the plus sign on Apple and also the follow on Spotify and whatever that interaction is on Google podcasts and any other podcast platform that's out there. We want to thank you for your participation and joining us along for the ride. So you may be wondering why in the world is Matt talking right now? This doesn't make sense. That is because we've had a complete job change here. We're all auditioning Uh, for new roles. (laughs) That's right. Gandalf is now our biblical scholar in residence. Yeah. And if I don't talk a lot on today's episode, it's because I'm watching YouTube videos on how to produce a podcast in the background. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, in fact, but to kind of frame frame up like why why are we doing this to make a point is reading the Bible in the context of community is so important. In fact, Nathan, before we started recording, you were talking about the importance of this. Why don't you why don't you go with that for a second? Yeah. So I mean we've talked about in the past um that the personal copy of scripture, in fact, most of us, I, I would guess everyone on this podcast probably owns multiple Bibles. I'm I'm looking at uh, two full shelves of Bibles in my office as we record. <laughs> I'm um, not even, I'm not even a pastor okay. at first Baptist and I've got like three I, in my I office. Need, I, I need to confess. I have like two full shelves of Bibles too. I often tell people when they come in and see my Bibles, I said, listen, if entrance to heaven is like, you know, secured by the amount of Bibles you own, I am so secure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just, I, I so just, secure. uh, I just use that because, you know, anytime you walk into a pastor's library, we've talked about this too, and you see all the books on the shelf, you're like, I wonder how many he's actually read. Well, I haven't mm-hmm. read. Hopefully the Bible. Well, yeah. If you if I have one book that I've read and I put it on the shelf over and over again, that really bolsters my numbers, right? Um, That's right. So, you know, messing with the stats. Anyway, but we've <laughs> talked about the, the concept of a personal copy of scripture and, uh, you know, a, a devotional daily Bible reading plan. Is is actually relatively novel in the in the grand flow of the Christian faith until just a few 
generations ago, it was more of a community endeavor, right? You had the family Bible or you had, you know, many of the churches still have these, these, they're roughly 120 pounds, uh, these, these church Bibles that, you know, you get a hernia as you, as you towed it around, uh, which is why they usually have like a stand or something for it. Um, but it's because it, it captured that the Bible was being read, listened to and studied in a community, right? Um, mm-hmm. in fact, uh, I have a friend here in Corinth, great guy. And, uh, he asked me, we've actually had to reschedule lunch twice now, uh, once his fault, once my fault. Um, but, uh, he was asking me, you know, uh, and this guy is a student of the word and he's like, man, y'all, y'all come up with some stuff in the podcast, uh, that I've just never, uh, thought to talk about. I've never connected the dots, uh, that way. What's y'all study method? Uh, and so I've tried to jot down a few thoughts of, of things that have been helpful for me. They're a little bit outside the norm, but I think one of the most beneficial things for me in the podcast is that it has disciplined the three of us to study the Bible every single week in community. And so we feed off of mm-hmm. each other's, not only perspectives and answers, we feed off each other's questions. Right. And, uh, another thing being reminded when you were just saying that being relatively new to church history, I'm going it, back it to just, YouTube now, uh, producing okay. podcasts because that's <laughs> my new role. That's my new role of Jesus. Uh, when he first gets up to read the scroll there in Nazareth, when he went to, went to synagogue, there was public reading of scripture and it was being taken in by the community there because personal copies of scripture was just, was just foreign. Mm. Uh, you know, we, we have so much, we have Bibles everywhere. We have it on our phone. We have it on our screens of all kind, um, all kinds that is, but, uh, the Bible is meant to be a group project. You know, there's always those two kinds of kids in school. Uh, the ones that loathe group projects and the ones that love them. And often the ones that loathe them are the ones that work really hard and <laughs> the ones doing all the work, <laughs> the ones doing all the work and the ones that love them are the ones that, you know, you know, just guess which kind wave, I was, so to speak, <laughs> <laughs> Don't answer that. but the Bible is a group project, whether we like it or not, it's meant to be a group project. It's meant to be taken in in community. Uh, Nathan, we mentioned beforehand, Mississippi college days when Dr. Ivan Park, I remember him talking about, uh, that we are the body of Christ and that it's a, it's a plural it's, uh, we are the body that when the new Testament there in first Corinthians says you, um, are the temple of God. It's, it's a plural. Yeah. It's the temple. Uh, don't you know that your body, it's the body singular of you all plural is the temple of God. Uh, Paul, this is Paul in Romans 12. Uh, therefore, right. brothers and sisters, you automatically have a plural audience, right? Therefore, right. brothers, in view of the mercies of God, I beseech you to present your bodies, plural, to God as a living right. sacrifice, singular. So this is not something, this is something we do corporately and collectively. And by the way, while while we're talking about uh, references to Paul, we, I mean, I, so I, I concentrated on Paul in doctoral studies. My dissertation is from Romans. It's remarkable, you know, we talk about Pauline theology, but on several of Paul's letters from which we do Pauline theology, Paul has named co-authors. Mm. Yeah. And, and, but, we, but we're such an individualistic culture, we don't bring that perspective to our study of the text, right? Right. Um, so. so there was something that happened last week that got the wheels turning because we were only going to, the episode that we were going to do this week was going to be on angel of the Lord. And that's been punted to next week. 
Which ironically on a chapter that we said was only going to take one episode and we're already on like episode three of surprise, surprise, surprise. (laughs) Mm. Some things don't change. But you know, it's like that old story of the guy who gets on the train and it was supposed to be an amazing experience once he got to the destination and he got to the destination and it's like, wow, this is kind of uneventful. And the guy said, well, man, the amazing experience is the trip to get here. He's like, oh, well, I never looked out the window. Well, (laughs) that's your problem. So the, the experience of getting there, no matter how long it takes, let's just make sure we're looking out the window as we're passing through this scripture. So there's going to be a better than fiction Bible podcast t-shirt with a disappointed guy sitting in a train. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Uh, So, um, Gandalf. Enjoy the ride. Better than fiction Bible podcast. Go ahead. That's right. We want to look at the scripture again. We're going to read the latter half of 16 again. Uh, why don't we go ahead and do that? And then I'm going to, uh, let you make your point again, that really launched all of this other stuff and other thoughts as we were reading this last week. All right. Uh, so, you want to read all of 16 or you said the latter half or, uh, let's start in verse number seven and go to the end of the chapter. All right. Uh, I'll, I'll read since I'm now our, our resident, uh, biblical scholar, I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll read, uh, as always from the ESV, this is. Chapter 16, starting in verse 7. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing for my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell, o- he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing, for she said, Truly, I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore, the well was called Be'er Leroy. It lies between Kadesh and Bered. And Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son who Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. Was it just me, or did he read that with the confidence of a biblical scolar? (laughs) It It sounded good to me. It's so weird. I I, I feel like I have all these years of of biblical knowledge just coming forth. So, So crazy. Um, well, what we talked about last week, and this was not planned to be the subject of it. I just kind of said it offhand in passing, but I thought it was notable that God doesn't tell Abram to name this child Ishmael. He tells Hagar. And so presumably she comes back and tells him, Hey, I just got this promise that this child is going to, you know, be, be a multitude and have lots of offspring and his name's supposed to be Ishmael. And we, in, you know, normally that would seem kind of sus. That's a little suspicious coming back. It's like, Hey, by the way, I got the same promise that you and your wife got, but apparently a- Abram buys this and cause he does indeed name the child Ishmael. Mm. Yeah. I thought, so I thought so that the, was the angel of the Lord communicates it to, to stress your point. The angel of the Lord stresses it to Hagar, but the text says that it is Abraham who is naming him Ishmael. Yes, which right. means he he believed 
Hagar's story. And, you know, and, and, and so like last week we focused on, uh, Abraham believed her story. Okay. God appeared to me. So God can appear to you. Welcome back into the fold. Last, last week we, we stopped at, okay. Abraham is corroborating her testimony more or less. Right. right. But then Matt, who is now Gandalf, again, we don't know who I am now. Um, I didn't. So this episode's <laughs> you're, called. A, you're I, also Gandalf. We're all Gandalf today. Uh, this yeah, uh, right. <laughs> we're all Gandalf. Um, uh, this episode is identity crisis. Um, <laughs> the uh, uh, but you know when when you talked about Abraham corroborating her testimony, that got the wheels turning for Matt uh, slash Gandalf 2.0. Uh, and so Matt brought this idea to us that I, for one, had never really considered, but we started connecting dots and we said, well, how about that? Gandalf just became a biblical scholar. Mm. So yeah, so take yeah, us there, was Gandalf, the thing Matt. That, yeah. So <laughs> the thing that stood out to me was last week when we talked about, hey, Abraham names the son. So clearly, you know, he's buying what Hagar is giving to him, so to speak. Uh, that means it corroborated, as Gandalf has just said, his promise. And there's something that's coming in the next chapter that is very interesting that I've never understood. We're not going to take time to read it, but when ultimately Abram is told that he is going to have a child of promise through Sarah uh, or Sarai, she's not even Sarah yet, is... Abram pushes back on God and says, wait a second, if only Ishmael could be acceptable to you. And I've never understood that. Like, why is Abraham or Abram at this point pushing back against God when God says, listen, I'm going to send a child of promise. And he's like, but wait, we've got Ishmael. That's because likely, and I'd never considered this before, Abraham probably considered the promise of a multitude in the bag at this point, because yeah, he, when Ishmael was born a, a, in real time. So we always, and I, again, this is me. Like I, I had to think about this this week. Uh, we always take our understanding from what happens later and read it back onto what happens earlier. Right. Right. Um, and so I've never really read it through that lens, um, because of all the stuff with Isaac and chapters to follow. But in real time, it makes very real sense. Again, this is one chapter removed from, well, I guess it's going to be Eleazar of Damascus, God. That's right. That's uh, right. Abraham is perpetually looking for an heir. I don't know why I had never considered that for Abram, Ishmael was a candidate. <laughs> uh, in right. other words, it must, have, uh, it must have seemed too good to be true. It must have seemed so perfect because I'm presuming Abram didn't tell everyone in his household, all of his servants and stuff that God had given him this promise. So when Hagar comes back and goes, Hey, this is what I was promised. I was promised a multitude of descendants. That must've seemed like ironclad confirmation to Abraham. Yeah. Yeah. So when Abraham is like me too, <laughs> okay. <laughs> sounds so familiar. Maybe, yeah. So maybe we have the answer here and what he thought to be the will of God because of confirmation that wasn't exactly confirmation for the will of God, but it was confirmation for Hagar. He crosses them and Abram accepts Ishmael as a legitimate heir to the son, to being the son of a promise. And this is why he pushes likely, this is likely why he pushes back on God and says, listen, if only Ishmael could be acceptable. 
because he's probably, he and Sarah have probably stopped praying about it. Yeah. They're not, yeah, it's like Abram's mission accomplished, looking. man, go home. Yeah. Well, and, so, uh, oh, that's such a good point, Nathan, that you make in chapter 16. Abraham is saying, well, listen, I guess it's going to be Eliezer of Damascus. He's not asking that in 17. He's not asking it because he's got an heir at this point yeah, from his, his own next, body. His, his next question is, what's wrong with Ishmael? God, right. I thought you were in this whole Ishmael thing. And and here's what's so, uh, and again, I know we're not in 17, but there's plenty to talk about in 17 because we said 16 would be one episode. Um, <laughs> the uh, In 17, you get, and this was a point, uh, one of my Old Testament professors pointed out to me, um, uh, and again, when I was studying Paul and how Paul navigates circumcision, uh, works of the law, you know, uh, Gentile audience, all these things like that. Um, he, he made the point to me, it was on the day I defended my dissertation. He says, have you ever thought about who the first, uh, young Jewish guy is who gets circumcised? Uh, and my mind was, I didn't even think about the text. I just like, well, I guess it would have been Isaac, but when circumcision is instituted, Isaac's not even born. So the That's first, right. the first son of Abraham who gets circumcised is Ishmael. Mm. Isn't that interesting? In fact, it's interesting that it's interesting in 17. So fast forward. And again, there's so much more to talk about, but in 17, the beginning of the chapter institutes circumcision and it's important to the importance to those who will be uh, covenantal descendants from Abraham right after that is instituted and stressed. In the middle of the chapter, you have the promised birth of Isaac. So it's after Abraham names Ishmael and after God institutes circumcision that God promises the birth, not of Ishmael, but of Isaac. And that's where Sarah's name gets changed. That's interesting. We go from Abram naming Ishmael, uh, Ishmael to um, God naming Sarai, Sarah. Um, and then on the other side of that, what happens? Circumcision actually occurs in real time right after that covenant is reiterated. In fact, if you look at 22 of 17, when he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abel. Talking to him about what? The promised birth of Isaac. Um, mm. So everything in the text indicates, to your point, even though I had, honest to God, never considered it, that Abraham going into chapter 17 thinks that the promised descendants already been provided in Ishmael. Uh, one of the preachers the I've listened to a lot. Know. That's right. One of the preachers I've listened to a lot through the years is a guy named Steve Brown. He has a ministry called Key Life down in Orlando, Florida. And one of my favorite messages he I've heard him preach through the years is on the birth of Jesus. And he talks about during the birth of Jesus, the laughter of God spilled over into the world and knowing where this is going is that Isaac and his name meaning laughter and that Spoiler by the alert. time, yeah, by the time we even get to all of that, Abraham and Sarah probably aren't even praying about this anymore. They have accepted this is done over. This is, this is in the bag. This is just how it's going to be. That's why it's so unbelievable to them. And it's just an applicational thing for us is, you know, sometimes the answer to the prayer that we've prayed doesn't come for years later. In fact, it comes so much later. You're not even praying about it anymore because you've just 
told yourself, well, God is sovereign. I guess that's how my life's going to be. And then <laughs> this is reminding me, this reminds me of something from my, uh, childhood. I was watching Jay Leno and I don't know why as a child I was watching Jay Leno, but he had this like female comedian on and she was talking about prayer and she said, when I was a kid, I learned to pray and they taught me that sometimes God answers my, uh, prayers. Yes. And sometimes God answers my prayers. No. But every now and then it's confusing because sometimes God's answer is not yet. And she said, so imagine my surprise the other day on my 42nd birthday when I'm standing in my kitchen window and there's a Shetland pony in my backyard. Uh, <laughs> this was from a long time ago. Um, yeah, that, that's, oh, um, that's funny. Um, but it's just amazing to me. Also, there's an applicational point here is sometimes the hardest thing to let go of is what you've thought to have been the will of God. Mm. Mm. You've already, it's sunk cost fallacy. You've already invested in it. Yeah. It's like, man, if I just abandoned this now. No stocks then, analogies right now, Gandalf. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. Apologies oh, to any, uh, apologies to any of our listeners who invest. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sometimes you just got to cut bait and fish. But anyway, um, it's sometimes hard to let go. And maybe that's what Abraham is struggling with in this next chapter. It's like, man, I've already had confirmation about this, God. I have believed. Abraham's gone into the cradle at night after Ishmael is born and said, God, thank you for answer prayer. Well, yeah, well, and I'll say this. One of my favorite New Testament scholars uh, traces this wonderful uh, current or trend through the Bible. It says, God has a wonderful habit of doing exactly what he said he would do exactly the way he said he would do it in a way that no one else seemed to see coming. Um, right. And that, that is the, the, the monkey's Paul. We talked about, that. uh, yeah, this is, <laughs> this is Isaac. Isaac is God doing exactly what he says he's going to do in a way no one saw coming. Certainly not Abraham. And you know, there's, there's stuff in the Isaac story that is foreshadowing, um, God's only beloved, you know, only unique one of a kind. Uh, beloved son uh, in the New Testament, uh, and so we'll we'll talk more about that. You know, I'm sure when we get to Genesis 22 next year, sometime. Um, I, but uh, I, I I don't know. I'd never considered uh, the Ishmael thing. I do love this, by the way, in the overall context, uh, because it's just not something we talk a whole lot about. Um, you know, we've talked about in the in the Ishmael story that Abraham and the other characters involved really are doing their best to pursue the promise as it makes sense to them. And not only does God not chastise them for that, God, God provides blessing even in the midst of their misunderstanding. Hmm. Right. Um, God blesses Hagar. God blesses Abram. God blesses Sarah. God blesses ultimately Isaac and God blesses Ishmael. Ishmael. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, Matt, right before we recorded, you, you kind of hit this, uh, contrast between, uh, cause we've seen something similar to this scenario a little bit, not exactly, but something similar with another child that, that maybe had, uh, less than ideal beginnings that we've already discussed, right? The whole ham trilogy that we did. Oh, on yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. and, uh, you made this beautiful point. Uh, when, when that happens in Noah's family, Noah curses Canaan. Uh, when it happens within God's covenant, God blesses Ishmael. Um, so if you disagree with that, that was Matt's point. Um, but I, but I thought it was a really neat point. 
uh, God's so much kinder, so much sweeter than we, than we give him credit for. Mm. And, and I know we keep saying that over and over again. And when I see people out and about and they call me or text me or send us messages on the podcast, uh, or about the podcast, it's man, I just can't get over how kind how kind God is. That's honestly been, we've talked about this a couple of weeks ago. That's honestly been my biggest takeaway from, you know, these first 78 episodes. Yeah, of the I, 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 I was telling, I was telling Matt, I was actually dis, uh, I don't know if I was dissatisfied, Matt. I don't, I, you, you would know better than me. Uh, I'm, I can be self-critical. Is that fair, Matt? Uh, that's beyond fair. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am usually my harshest critic. No, really, Nathan, it's a good job. No, uh, no, no, it's terrible. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, okay. Well, that's enough. I edit that up. Um, the, um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I can be my harshest critic. And I, I told Matt, I said, you know, I, I had several sermons where intentionally or unintentionally, I just landed very firmly on God's grace. And I said, Matt, I, I, I don't ever want to make light of God's holiness because the more you appreciate God's holiness, the more you can appreciate God's grace. Like they go hand in hand. And I said, so Matt, I, I set out, uh, set out to, specifically intentionally teach a sermon that just overwhelmed us with God's holiness in and of itself. And I said, and somehow I ended up still landing in God's grace. And I said, I, I didn't mean to do that. I don't know how to feel about it uh, in terms of planning a sermon or a Bible study. I said, but it felt right to land where we did. Um, Brother, uh, I'll just say this. We have many hymns and songs that talk about being led to the cross. Ain't no song talking about being led to Sinai. <laughs> two two different places. That's funny. Two different places. Uh, no, um, but, it, but it is. I, I, you know, God is a big character. There is none like him. He's not just holy. He's holy, holy, holy. His glory mm -hmm. in Hebrew, uh, the, the word for glory, kabod, means uh, heavy. It's weightiness. Uh, there's, there's nowhere in all creation, which is why the Bible starts here, there's nowhere in all creation that is not uh, unpermeated by the heaviness of who God is and what God has done. And because of that, the more you study the Bible, I'm convinced the more you will be surprised that this holy, 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 glorious, glorious, glorious God is so kind and gracious. And that is the thing that continues uh, week after week to be a surprise to me, at least. So kind and gracious, it just might make you laugh. Yeah. And, and yeah, it, it might, it, it might even take your, you know, uh, again, this is hopping into 17, but Matt went there before I did. Um, mm -hmm. uh, when they laugh the first time, it's probably incredulity, uh, right. It's probably disbelief and God right. can take your cynicism and make it genuine joy. Uh, so, mm. so and there will be tons more, tons more to say on that. Um, so I'm going to shout out another, another podcast, uh, one of the, I have listened to through the years. Uh, it's not a full endorsement because uh, I think occasionally there he may use a profane word, but a hardcore history, Dan Carlin, New York Times author. I'm a huge fan of history. You you got me plugged into that one. It's good. I can attest. Oh, it's, I, it's I'll endorse so, it. If you won't, I'll endorse but it. But, yes, if, but it if 30 minute episodes feel long to you, don't listen to it. Uh, <laughs> That's right. They're like, they're like six hour episodes. Because his episodes are forever long. Yeah. Well, one of the things that he just actually recently put up one on the Atlantic slave trade. And that was so helpful for me to listen to, especially as an American. And, um, anyway, you come away with just a somber 
how could this have happened? Like, this is so evil as he talks about, uh, just slavery and all the things like that. And it, it reminded me of a moment that I had a few years ago. I was, I was invited because of one of our, um, members at our church is in Washington, DC. I was invited to go to a prayer breakfast up there. I'm not important. This person is important. I was invited because I'm friends with him. I'm, I'm not like trying to profess that I'm an important individual cause I'm not. Um, but the speaker at the prayer breakfast up there was talking about Thomas Jefferson that had enslaved like 600 something people. It was just this huge, huge amount. And he, he talks about when he breathes his last, you know, when Thomas Jefferson actually dies, that he's now standing before God, having enslaved all of these people in his lifetime and being one of the, the guardians of bondage, even though he spoke out against slavery and yet at the same time owned slaves, he was a major man of contradiction. And that's pull, pulled out in that Dan Carlin podcast. It's very interesting. But anyway, the speaker kept going on and he said, what, what do you say when you're standing before God and you've enslaved all of these people in your lifetime? And the speaker's point was, you're grateful you're standing before him and not men because as God is so much more gracious than any of us could possibly imagine. Um, and the point is, is I'm not, I don't know whether Thomas Jefferson had a genuine relationship with Jesus or not. I, I can't speak to that. I'm not going to speak for another man's soul. But the point was this. God is very, very kind, even to people who do not deserve it. And that's what we continue to see over and over again in the text. Mm -hmm. And listener, I'm going to go ahead and take the reins back from Matt and go back uh, to being the producer of this podcast. And I It was will, nice while it lasted. <laughs> and I will say, if you want to hear more stories about God's grace, I assure you more are on their way. Do you, you hear that hear in them. the background? That's me logging out of YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be able to hear more of them as they come by listening to the Better Than Fiction Bible podcast every Tuesday morning in your subscription box. Make sure you're liking, plus marking, harding, checkboxing, whatever that looks like on the platform of choice. If you're one of those 10% of people who regularly listen to us all the way to the end and are not subscribed for whatever reason, go ahead and uh, take care of that right now. And we'll see you back here next week hearing more stories of God's grace. Until then, you have a good one. See you next time. Shalom. I really feel like Gandalf should have said shalom this time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs>